0: Hello and welcome to Camera Eats First. My name is Devin. And I'm Catherine, And together we are Two Market Girls. We run a vegan YouTube channel and a blog. And this is our podcast where we talk about things like veganism, how we make our recipes, how we run our blog, and we keep you up to date on trending news topics in the vegan world. Now in this episode, we're gonna be talking about money and how as a food blogger or any kind of blogger in most senses, you can make some money off of running your blog. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, it's time for a good old news segment. (laughs) This is Plant-Based News with Kat and Dev, bringing you their unsolicited opinions on the stories and scandals taking the vegan world by storm. Hello and welcome to the news. I'm Devon.
1: And I'm Catherine.
0: This just in... (laughs) <laughs> oh that's funny <laughs> but let me tell you why it's not funny this is serious just egg is coming to canada
1: what in the fall, fall so not quite just yet. around
0: the corner i swear even though i love summer i mean
1: you're you're excited for fall now it gives is this me, giving you a reason
0: yeah forget about pumpkin spice just egg <laughs> it's
1: just egg season. What what?
0: <laughs> so, they said it's coming to Canada in fall and I believe it's going to be in Walmart and Whole Foods?
1: Yeah. So, like, places they can kind of charge a decent amount. Like, well, I know Walmart is all about cheap prices, but they also have expensive things at Walmart.
0: Hmm. Now, that's another thing we talked about when we heard that it was coming to Canada. How much is this going to be costing us? Because in the mm-hmm. States, what is it, like, $9 for one of those bottles? I think so. So I think
1: that's what you paid for it. Or, like, 8 bucks or something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, around there. So, does that mean that if it
1: comes to Canada, it's going to be, like, at least 10 or 12 Maybe. I don't know. If th- I don't think the article actually said what the price was. Right. No. So I I have no idea. Hopefully maybe they're able to find a way to make it un- under ten dollars. I think would be ideal. Obviously way under ten dollars would be ideal in the long run. But for like a launch it would be ideal if it's under ten dollars.
0: hmm. And I mean. If it is, I think regardless, it's still going to be kind of like a specialty item. It won't be yeah. in your cart every week because it's still, you know, expensive. It's a once in a while. Yeah, but it will be very nice to have a good quality vegan egg product.
1: Mm-hmm. You know what I did notice? That the stores it's launching in are both American stores. I kind of <laughs> thought that was
0: random too, but now like, that you mentioned no,
1: Like There's no like Canadian-based grocery stores that are carrying it
0: yeah and you know what if there was going to be a canadian grocery store to carry it i would kind of think sobeys because i feel like sobeys is upping their vegan game Uh right now
1: well they were like the first ones to get beyond meat and stuff too right yeah yeah
0: and now what they're going to be carrying yam chops which is a local toronto company
1: well i think only one sobeys location actually has yam Chops. it's a start it's It's a start yeah so there's like i think one in london ontario i think
0: yeah and there was something else I saw that was going to be at Sobeys. Oh, I think it was Nona's uh, vegan cheese oh, sauce is now going to be at Sobeys.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like Sobeys is on the lookout for some, like, cool vegan products to add to their lineup of
0: products. That's what I'm saying. And, I mean, before the pandemic happened, I was going to Sobeys more often than before because I had kind of started to learn that about them. They had a, <laughs> They have a good vegan selection.
1: Yeah. Um, Something we also talked about when we saw this article Is that maybe this will make it easier For Canadian based restaurants to get Access to it and to like start Putting it on their menu And the coffee shop that shall not be named Maybe they'll bring it back Who knows I don't know
0: Considering they took off the entire Sandwich not just the egg part Of the sandwich <laughs> is gone <laughs> I don't know Catherine but you know what Starbucks was supposed to have one A breakfast sandwich right
1: I think so, yeah. I can't keep track anymore. People keep saying things and then taking them away.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. Do we have trust issues now?
1: (laughs) I do, yeah. I don't actually believe anything's going to happen until I see it.
0: Well, um, speaking of giving things and then taking them away, let's talk about what KFC is doing. Another (laughs) sneak peek.
1: (laughs) What, the, like, eighth sneak peek of their vegan chicken? Like, how many sneak peeks do we need?
0: You know what? I thought we had kinda had enough and I'm kinda ready for it, but now they've decided that they want to do a sneak peek in fifty <laughs> locations across Southern California.
1: Yeah, I think so. Which like seems like a lot of locations in Southern California. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. It's gonna <laughs> it's starting
0: July twentieth, which is today if you're listening to this podcast on Monday, July twentieth, when it comes out. <laughs> um and in the article all it
1: says is They're very vague.
0: While supplies last,
1: <laughs> I hate that so much. Why? How much supply do you have? <laughs> should I? Can I wait a week to try this, or should I go the first day? <laughs>
0: Honestly, I mean, with what we've seen from KFC's previous tests, I would
1: say go the first day. Go within the first couple of hours. <laughs> Seriously. But like, I'm wondering if like they just can't. They don't have enough supply. To fully launch it yet, so they just keep doing sneak peeks. Like I, I don't know what's going on there.
0: <laughs> it's to kind of like keep that uh, hype going, to keep us talking
1: about it, so that when yeah. they do launch
0: it everywhere for good, that we'll be like, yeah.
1: But like, I wonder if it could like, I don't think it will, but I wonder if like it could also have a negative impact of like people are like, you've been saying this forever. Like, I just want it. I don't like just release it. They just get angry that they're not doing it because like, I feel like. The first one was at least over a year ago. It feels like it must have been. <laughs> so, like, they've been, like, doing sneak peeks for a, at least a year, I want to say. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And those are in, like, different um, spots across the U.S. And then we did have a test here in Canada that lasted, <laughs> like, literally a few hours, it seemed like. Yeah. So, I think we're we're ready for more whenever it's- Beyond Meat and KFC are ready, I guess.
1: Yeah. I guess. Who knows? (laughs) Um, But I'm excited for those in Southern California to be able to try it. Yes. It should be interesting to see. I'm like, I'm really expecting it to happen. And then like the very first day, get like notifications like six hours later being like, they're sold out. (laughs) I
0: mean, it feels like that's what's happened with every other limited quantity (laughs) sneak peek.
1: Right? Like, at least give, like, an estimation of, like, we expect it to last this many days, but, like, again, it's, we don't know. (laughs) Because, like, you've done so many other sneak peeks, KFC, you probably have a guess of how quickly it would sell out. (laughs) That's a really good point. They honestly should. And, oh, but also
0: launch, launching it in 50 locations is more than we've seen so far. So that's a significant jump, right?
1: It's significantly more than we've seen because I think it's only ever been like one location.
0: I think there was at one point last year, like throughout some of the, like, wasn't there like a Nashville and somewhere else, a Maybe. bunch of locations around there? Maybe. I don't really remember. <laughs> like
1: that. But yeah, well, this is good news for those in California. Yes. I'm excited for all of you. (laughs) (laughs) I really just want to try it so badly.
0: Me too. I feel like I've been um, craving vegan fried chicken so much lately.
1: (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. A good popcorn chicken or a chicken sandwich or something. Oh, I want it so bad. (laughs) Yes, please. And then like a honey mustard, a vegan honey mustard dip for it. Oh, yes, please
0: i always gotta go with the classic ranch i don't know i can't i can't not
1: i've never had ranch with like fried chicken <gasps> <Catherine>. i've only <laughs> i've you know like fried chicken or like a chicken nugget or something i've only ever done like a plum sauce or like a honey mustard
0: man with ranch it's so, so good
1: i just like all of the above just like ranch <laughs> and honey mustard maybe some barbecue sauce be delicious <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm hungry. What other news do we have to get
1: through? (laughs) Uh, I could talk about this one, uh, one I'm very excited about. Gardein is launching meaty vegan soups. You know I'm all about the soup content. I almost had soup today for dinner, but I didn't. (laughs) What happened? Uh, Hutch said no. (laughs) Uh, I gave him two options. He did not pick the soup. Dang it. Yeah. Um, so, they're releasing like canned soups, um, such as like chicken noodle, minestrone, sausage gumbo, and like those like classic kind of hearty soups. Oh my God, they're also launching vegan jerky, says this article, which is very exciting. I also love jerky. Oh, heck yeah. Okay. I don't think it says when they're launching it, which is kind of not a very useful article, but.
0: Ah, uh, the vegan products, they love to be elusive. <laughs>
1: Oh, it just says this summer. That's all it says. So it could be out by now. I don't know. Because I have a feeling that it won't be in Canada first. So
0: Soups in summer. Groundbreaking.
1: <laughs> yeah, you'd think they'd wait till like September or something like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know we said that fall is going to be just egg season, but I'm sure soup could fit in there too.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think there's five different options. They're doing a beef and vegetable, a chicken and rice, chicken and noodle, sausage gumbo, and a minestrone and sausage. Um, so that's exciting. I'm very excited for it. It's hyping me up about soup already. So.
0: <laughs> the soup hype I, is real.
1: Yeah, I legit a Like today, I thought about soup a lot. And I went through our content calendar that I was like planning ahead and added more soups to it. So.
0: What a sentence. Today, I thought about soup a lot. Dear diary, (laughs) soup thoughts today, yet again, (laughs) they have
1: perplexed my mind. Uh, That's that's the mind of Catherine.
0: Well, this has probably been more than anyone thought they were signing up for when they started this episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Talking about money and soup.
0: (laughs) But as far as like vegan soup options go, I mean, there's always like veggie soup option right yeah and then you have like uh amy's kitchen who has which i love really good soups i don't know about in the states but here are there any other options that are like comparable to these products that we're about to see or
1: hopefully see not that i know of uh at least in canada i don't think Mm -hmm. there's anything like even like amy's doesn't really have like chicken noodle they are very much on the whole food side Mm -hmm. of like soups where it's like a bean chili or like a vegetable soup or something like that um so i feel like canada is getting this kind of stuff for the first time which is exciting have no idea about the u.s though
0: wow Catherine, you need to look up what the soup game is like everywhere else although it might just just make you sad
1: I think it will.
0: Okay. Maybe don't do. <laughs> but that.
1: I have made it a mission to collect as many soups as I can here in Canada. So
0: <laughs> you can expect a thorough soup review coming fall. Definitely, definitely in the fall.
1: For sure. <laughs> Probably September, maybe October, maybe both. Who knows? The ambition Might- is there. Yeah, gonna, it's going to it's going to have a full ranking system. I'm going to be literally buying lots and lots of soup. I'm very excited for it. Hold on to now, your spoons, people. question. Yep. Chili doesn't count as soup, right? I don't I don't think so. I think
0: so, but I it's don't It's its own why. category. Why is like it's though? A,
1: I feel like I would consider chili more of like a stew. Well, why isn't stew a soup? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we have to do more research. I will do more research when I'm looking for my soups. And figure out truly what classifies as a soup. Okay. I'm sure it's probably the cooking methods. Uh, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Okay. But okay, we have a final piece of news that's kind of weird news. Bring it on. Burger King. Oh, um. BK Lounge. <laughs> Burger King's always doing some weird stuff, don't you think?
0: Um. Yeah. No, yeah, I would say yeah.
1: It's like, it's one of those brands that you don't really know quite what to think about.
0: So we, I, there was an ad that came out this week and like
1: a, can, a campaign I think is what they're trying to make it.
0: Yes. It's a movement. It's a whole thing. They've made some groundbreaking research that if they change the diet of what their cows eat, then the farts from the cows will be less harmful to the environment and yeah. everything will be fine. So you can yeah, keep the- eating your whoppers.
1: Yeah, so basically the science is, and we've done no research of the sort, so we have no idea. But <laughs> the science apparently is if you incorporate lemongrass, which lemongrass is delicious, good for the cows, great. They mm-hmm. Maybe it's delicious for them too. I have no idea. Um, if you incorporate lemongrass into a cow's diet, they'll produce, it was something like 30% less methane gas in their farts. And I was just like, and like, To me, I was like, there seems to be an easier solution for this. Just eat less meat. Like, Mm -hmm. just don't have a burger every day. That seems to be the easier solution here.
0: I mean, I have so many questions about all of the research and the science that must have gone into, like, measuring the cow's farts and making sure they were getting the right amount of lemongrass to get to really lower that methane. Like, what a process for them to have to go through.
1: Like, the potential that, like, again, I don't know what a cow is supposed to eat, what an optimal diet is for a cow, but the potential that we're deciding to feed cows something that's not in their natural diet just because we feel better about eating them is kind of weird to me. Like, Burger King, why don't you invest in getting, like, like, promoting veggie options more? Like, you still make money, you still get to sell some food to people, but, you know, you're lessening your impact on the environment and i'm not saying to stop selling meat altogether but look for that balance and here's the
0: thing that's not even the weirdest part we haven't even gotten (laughs) to the weirdest part of the story it's the video itself that is probably the weirdest part because it begins with a child coming out of a cow's butthole in this (laughs) large stage production (laughs)
1: <laughs> and so apparently so i shared the. it's like it, the whole ad feels like i told this to you it feels like a giant hallucination yeah like it's so strange and so weird you feel like you've taken some form of drugs definitely like you don't know what's going on but i sent the video to some friends and apparently that kid's famous yeah that's the old like, kid yeah i had no idea who that kid was i just saw a kid playing guitar or whatever that was banjo i don't yeah. even know what he was playing but like i like i didn't know where to look in that video i didn't know what to listen to i was so confused and it was just so confusing i just like i'm i'm so curious about like they got what they wanted it was like a viral thing but like i wonder if people got out of it what they should have gotten out of it
0: yeah i mean like people were talking about burger king but was it making people want to go to burger king (laughs)
1: <laughs> like, it definitely didn't make me want to go to Burger King. But there's other factors in there. Burger King is strange to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I just, like, it was very confusing. Uh, As someone who works in branding, I was very confused. But it seemed to also fit Burger King's branding. Because <laughs> they're just a weird brand. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. So, like, I guess if you're going to expect it from anyone you expect it from burger king.
0: And I mean like good on them for getting the yodeling kid. He was a big deal and now look at his next big thing.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a strange ad. It's a strange initiative in my eyes. Instead of like cuz and it also kind of seems opposite to the direction the world is going in. Mm-hmm. And that like there's nothing wrong with being a burger place promoting eating less meat. Like, obviously, no burger place is going to be like, don't eat meat at all. But like A&W, like there's been a lot of burger places that have found that balance of promoting vegan items and promoting meat items. So it's such a strange, like backwards initiative in my eyes.
0: You know what? It's just reminding me of the whole Arby's carrot meat thing. Remember? Remember? The Arby's thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, The meat carrots. Yeah. The, yeah. That's which, what it's like, making me think of. But also, like, s- that ad didn't make sense either. Because, like, y- you don't, like, uh, uh, you don't get the nutritional value that you would get from a carrot from turkey or whatever it was. It's just, like, I could go on and on about that.
0: <laughs> but we probably already have.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Previous episodes somewhere. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's a strange ad. I think it's a really like, it's an initiative that I think also, I, I honestly think some people would are probably like very happy about it. But I do think it's kind of going backwards in the direction food is going and people's relationship with food. So it it's it's very strange.
0: Uh, I think strange would probably sum up this week's news segment. <laughs> I mean, we had some positives for sure. Soup. Soup. soup and just egg Soup and soup. some sneak peeks. Soup and soup, soup again.
1: Yeah. Soup five times because there's five different soups coming out.
0: All right. That's going to be it for this edition of In the News. I'm Devin.
1: And I'm Catherine.
0: And that's the way the soup podcast crumbles.
1: <laughs> that was a weird sentence.
0: That was a weird episode. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was kind of strange. Not as strange as
0: cow lemongrass farts. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, money.
0: Time to talk about money.
1: So we wanted to basically kind of talk about like money making 101 when it comes to running a blog.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we are coming from a position where we are still kind of learning and growing and working towards a lot of the ways that you can earn money with your blog. But because we've been doing this for a while, we know how a lot of them work. It just mm-hmm. takes time to get there. So yeah. we want to talk about some of those things because I think for people who don't have a blog or are just starting their blog, there can be a lot of unknowns that you might want to know more about right now. Yeah.
1: Like, no, like, honestly, like, before we started our blog, I was like, how does anyone, how is anyone a full-time blogger? Like, that makes no sense to me. And then you learn more about the industry.
0: And then you keep learning.
1: Yes. And you never stop learning.
0: So which one do you <laughs> want to start with?
1: Maybe we should go in, like, does it make sense to start from, like, the one you should expect to make money from first? Sure. Yeah. Even if it's, like, not a lot of money. The one that, like, yeah. you can do almost instantly, basically.
0: Yeah, and it's very passive. You don't actually have to do that much.
1: Yeah. Um so to me that one would be like ad revenue, which Yeah. Again, just starting out, you will not you'll barely make any money doing ad revenue. Mm-hmm. But it is one that you can do pretty much immediately.
0: Yeah, and we're talking like monetizing a YouTube channel, right? Is that
1: youtube or even your blog itself like putting ad placements on your blog so like when you go through a website if you see like a random ad for like i don't know ebay (laughs) you know those things bloggers make money from that being able to be placed on their website
0: exactly and so with your blog and with your youtube channel the amount of money you get from that those ad placements really depends on how many eyes are getting on your content, because that means the ads are getting in front of eyes. So Mm -hmm. even though you can set these up right away, your views are probably not gonna be very high right away. So the income from those ads are going to be low for a long time. And even once they start to grow, For a while it's gonna stay low but it is kind of like the simplest and most passive income that you can set up right away
1: yeah yeah you don't really have to do anything to make that money other than grow your blog which you'd be trying to do anyways
0: exactly
1: (laughs) um also from my understanding too the more viewers you have on say a blog or um depending on what type of content you have can also play a factor in how much money you make with ad revenue like what it's worth to advertisers and people who buy those placements and the type of demographic you have like there's a lot of like data that goes into ad buys and stuff like that um so it really depends on like what kind of space you're on how much traffic you're getting what kind of traffic you're getting like who the people are and the age and the gender and all that kind of stuff um so it'll be different for everyone so you could be in an industry that makes like like i think like tech videos on youtube the ad buy is so much higher Mm. like you get a lot more ad revenue than say like a food video so Mm -hmm. it kind of depends on what your kind of area is but it's a very simple way to make a little bit of extra money especially just starting out like again we don't make a lot of money from ad revenue but it's still extra money that helps to go to funding what we're doing
0: Mm -hmm. and i know like with some bloggers or content creators there's always the difficult decision of, well, how many ads do I put in my YouTube video or on my blog? Because like at a certain point, that also really can interfere with your viewer or user's experience, right? So as much as like we all need to be making money from the free content that we're putting out, you also don't want to completely take away from the user experience. So don't like fill your blog in every <laughs> spot you can with an ad and don't put too many ads throughout a YouTube video if you can help it because again, yeah. That's not going to retain people, right?
1: Yeah. And if you do put like YouTube specifically, if you do put ads throughout the YouTube video, make sure to strategically place them. Like YouTube can randomly place them for you. But sometimes like if that's in a really like pivotal point of your YouTube video and like all of a sudden an ad just breaks up this like really important point you're making or in the middle of a cooking step or something like that, it's kind of like a weird placement So make sure to, like, place them strategically so that it's, like, a natural break in your content.
0: Yeah. I don't actually know how much choice you get in your mid-roll ads on YouTube.
1: I was actually looking at it um, the other day. And you can place... uh, So basically, they place it at a default setting where YouTube thinks it's best to be placed. Just based on, like, I think your voice volume and all that kind of stuff where it seems like it's a natural break. Uh, But you can move it.
0: And then I know they were making a change, too, that... um, They were going to also default to adding mid-roll ads because before it was something that you like opted into, but now it's going to be something that you have to opt out of. Hmm, I didn't know that. Yeah, because a lot of creators were kind of like upset with that because they don't really think the mid-roll ads are the best experience, which is valid. You know, they do interrupt a lot. So they felt like, why are you forcing this into our content when, you know, it should be our choice and we don't, we'd rather opt in than have to opt Mm -hmm. out.
1: But yeah it makes more sense to opt in than to opt out yeah um and also another thing to point out about mid-roll ads is you used to need to have a i think this is a recent actually it hasn't changed yet but they've announced that they're changing it you used to need to have a 10 minute long video in order to be able to put ads throughout your video but now it's being reduced to eight minutes
0: yeah and that's also part of the opt out thing that they're changing too mm, got it mm-hmm.
1: okay but yeah so that's Ad revenue, at least to the extent that we know it. Yeah. <laughs> I think the second most like passive form of revenue is probably affiliate marketing. Yep. Um, so affiliate marketing is essentially when you have like a very specific link to a website, a brand, all that kind of stuff that tracks when you send somebody to a website and when they make a purchase through your link and you get a percentage of that. S- of the sale price of this selling price um in order to like reward you for bringing someone to that website or to that product or whatever it is
0: exactly it's like a referral right you tell a friend oh you should check this out and then they go check it out and they're like oh how'd you hear about us oh well my lovely friends two market girls (laughs) told me about it wow we're gonna reward them for bringing your business to us
1: Yeah. And it's something that actually a lot of brands are doing now, too. Even brands that don't have like big affiliate programs where anyone can do it. Little like smaller brands are giving very specific links to certain creators and things like that. So they can help track it. Um, So it's something and it's something that you can work out individually with a brand you're working with.
0: And honestly, I think it's a really good like from a individual brand and especially a small brand perspective. I think it's a really good um relationship to start fostering because like as content Mm -hmm. creators when we find especially a small brand that we really like we want to talk about it and we want more people to know about it so for us to both be helping each other out in that process i think it just makes a lot of sense for both parties involved right
1: yeah um and i would like to remind any people who run brands that are possibly listening to this podcast (laughs) this doesn't mean you also don't pay the influencers like a flat fee for creating contents
0: (laughs) exactly and i mean you still
1: have to do that
0: (laughs) yeah but that does kind of roll into another way to make money
1: yeah and that's sponsored posts Mm -hmm. which is probably i think one of the more lucrative like, it, especially if you have a lot of influence and a big following, it can be a very, very lucrative um, uh, source of income for bloggers or YouTubers or influencers, what have you.
0: Mm-hmm. And like, as it should be, because it takes more effort. It's definitely not passive. You're creating specific content for a brand and you also have to work with the brand to make sure it fits their needs and your needs. So it should be the most lucrative because it's the uh, most
1: work. Exactly. And again, this also like depends on the area you're in, because I also watch like YouTubers who are just like comedian commentary YouTubers and their stuff sponsored, but they're not like necessarily working in the product into their content. They're just doing like a quick like ad speak about them, like at the end of the video or in the middle of the video, wherever it is um so that depends on the influencer but like for us for food it's very much involved in the content creation it's a recipe using their ingredient or using their product or whatever it is
0: Mm -hmm. and like that's the area that we have the most experience with like from a not passive experience right we partner with brands as regularly as we can it's also a lot of work to have to reach out to those brands because i think a lot Mm -hmm. of beginner bloggers assume that the brands are going to come to you and sometimes sometimes that is the case but a lot of times it's you reaching out to them in a yeah. way that is effective so it's not just like hey i love your stuff it's hey, yeah i have a vision for how we can work together
1: yeah and i can showcase like, your stuff yeah like for us hey we have this recipe idea that we think your product would be would work really really well with um or what whatever it is right or even like i think we've done somewhere like we created a video with a product we liked right at the beginning of our like blogging journey um and they saw our content i think they like retweeted it so we reached out to them we were like hey do you want to do this like do you want to like we pitched out with a partnership type thing and then it worked so like even sometimes doing like creating content with brands that you really really like by yourself for free not saying you're exchanging work for free but you're just willingly doing it Without kind of them knowing, (laughs) is a good way to like foster those partnerships.
0: Yeah, and I mean, especially in the beginning, right? There's gonna be some times where you are making content to hopefully build up that portfolio that a brand will look at and be like, "I see Mm -hmm. potential here." Right. So if there's a product you love, feature it because that's part of like working towards getting them to pay you for it. Don't make a bunch of content for free and like your your time and your talent is worth money and you should yeah. get paid for it but at the beginning there there's value in practicing at least putting together t- that type yeah. of content
1: but like the point of us like of us saying doing that based on your own like brand choices and stuff and not necessarily doing it when a brand reaches out to you in exchange for product is that you control it completely you can showcase like your creativity your content creation as best as you can and you're doing it just because you want to like you like the brand so much you're doing it you don't feel like this pressure from a brand that you like made this deal with and then all of a sudden you don't like the product or whatever happens to be like you're it's completely still in your control even though you're making it with the intention possibly maybe even not with the intention because we didn't make it with the intention of doing a partnership with them later Um, you're making it based on your own creativity still and it's completely your own
0: Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of speaks to another important consideration when you get into the sponsored content is, you know, working with brands that you believe in and that kind of align with your values and stuff like that. So it's not just like going for any brand that offers you some kind of deal. It's Mm -hmm. also like making sure that it's a product you believe in, because if you are speaking about it to your audience, You want to be genuine and you want to be real about what you're offering your audience, right? You wouldn't want somebody offering you something that wasn't actually that great or they didn't actually believe in because then you kind of you taint that relationship with your audience and your relationship with your audience is like one of the most important things.
1: Is the most important thing, especially when you're doing brand partnerships, because Brands want to partner with people who have the trust of their audience, who their audience wants to listen to and take advice from and all this kind of stuff. So if you don't have that trust with your audience, it kind of defeats the purposes of brands partnering with you unless it's like purely for um, brand awareness or like free content that they can repost on their thing.
0: Yeah. And it can it can feel like such a tricky balance in the beginning, too, because you're like, oh, my God, a brand reached out. Yeah. But
1: I, I am pretty proud that we haven't done tons for free. Like we did that initial partnership for free. I mean, we got a ton of product from mm-hmm. them. <laughs> like that lasted us so long. Yeah. And like we again, we loved the product. It was like a local product. It was like Canadian made. Um, so we really liked the product, um, and we didn't mind working for free. That was also back when we thought this was more of a hobby than anything else. We're like, this is a hobby. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, but like we have like, we don't have the biggest audience out there by any means, but we've held ourselves to a standard that we want to be paid for the work that we do. Mm -hmm. Unless of course it's like a brand we truly, 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 truly love and like reach out to and we're like, we just want to do this for you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but something else I want to, that's important with brand partnerships is that you won't necessarily be able to just reach out and be like, Hey, do you want to partner with us? Sometimes it's about building that relationship first. It's about like liking their posts for a little while first, really understanding what the brand is. Like you could use the product and still not really understand who their brand is. Um, and making sure that that brand and that partnership makes sense for your blog before you actually just be like, Oh, I want to partner with you.
0: Mm -hmm. and I think that like as a beginner that can feel kind of intimidating to understand maybe I mean you and I have a lot of experience with those kinds of content creation I think just from like outside of the blog as well too thinking Mm -hmm. like a brand um so if you're starting and you're trying to understand how to understand a brand basically I would look at how other blogs or um creators are approaching their brand deals and how they are complementing the brand and complementing their own brand so you can kind of see it in their work like somebody like this renegade love i think she does it so well and i think she's Mm -hmm. a really good example of how to work with a brand and maintain your brand
1: yeah no i agree like you can it's it's really obvious to tell when either someone's promoting something that they either don't use or don't understand or just like literally doesn't make sense for their audience like I'm like like I'll see like content creators I'm like but like why are you promoting that like I don't understand it like you could like the product but like your audience is here for food and you're promoting clothing like it makes no sense mm-hmm. um so like understanding what your audience comes to you for and even if you love a product doesn't necessarily mean your audience wants to know about that product from you <laughs> And, like, if you want to be able to promote that stuff, it might also be, okay, maybe I need to expand my brand a little bit. And, like, it's not just, like, throwing in a brand partnership. Because, like, that also doesn't help you. Like, if people don't come to you for that information, that partnership won't really turn out very well Mm -hmm. like you probably get some bad numbers to send back to the brand after and you probably won't get a partnership with them again
0: brand deals are a tricky business but then super tricky business
1: yeah one last thing I want to mention about brand partnerships though is ensuring that you're getting brands that understand that your content is how your content is so like if you're part if you are talking through a deal with a brand and they're all of a sudden like oh the photos need to look like this and this and this and you're like but like my content is like this, and it doesn't make sense for me to change my content. (laughs) Making sure, like, looking for those, like, red flags where they just want you to create free content for them or cheaper content for them versus they want your content. They want, like, really cool content that you create.
0: Yeah, because, again, like, the content has to speak to your audience, and you know how to do that best, and so your style and your creative angle is what needs to come through in the deal, and if the brand can't recognize that, then... Yeah. Reconsider whether you should be working with them.
1: Yeah. Like as someone, so I work as a blogger, but I also work as someone on a brand team at like who had, who works in an influencer based program. I work with influencers on the brand side. I always like one thing that I always tell them is like, I like your content and I want to make sure your content is you. So like, yeah, show me your content, but I'm not going to tell you what how to do it you know best how to speak to your audience and really ensuring that you find brands that value your expertise with your audience Mm
0: -hmm. and then the final few ways of making money are really like they're your own they're your work they're your own thing Mm -hmm. that you have to do independently and they are not passive at all that's for sure um i think one to start with would be patreon
1: yes um we have patreon it's a lot of work.
0: That's the trouble with Patreon. (laughs) Um, So the way that Patreon works is like, you'll start a community and people can help support you either in one lump sum, or they can subscribe to support you monthly. And you can set up different tiers that they can support, like different levels of support. And when they do, the idea is that because they're supporting you, you kind of try to give something back to them. And the difficult... why this is difficult is because it means you're creating more pieces of content to help support this line of revenue so for us we have three tiers on our patreon the first one is kind of just support us and access to the community and then there's early birds that get the recipes ahead of time and then there's muck who get like an exclusive piece of content every month and the amount that people subscribe to varies with those levels and the amount of work that we have to put mm-hmm. to support that expands as well.
1: Yeah, it it's a lot of work, but it's also fun because you get still get to like kind of experiment with different content, and you have like. Like at least for us, like we don't have thousands of people supporting us on Patreon. We just have like a few, but you like feel like you know them a lot better. You get a little closer to the people that really support your work and you like, like we talk about them on a first name basis. Like they're our friends. So like, it's like, it's a nice way to like start building like community relations with the people who follow you and support you
0: yeah there's so many um upsides to having a patreon community because it's going to be your most dedicated and invested audience so you really really get to foster a good relationship with them but i would say when starting a patreon community just make sure that you are understanding that what you're starting can be sustainable like don't subscribe to too much that you won't be able to keep up and you're going to burn yourself out make sure it is doable
1: Yeah, because also depending on your audience, you have to remember that when you start a patron, you're probably also not going to have tons of patrons right away. So you're not going to have like thousands of dollars or sometimes even hundreds of dollars coming through right at the beginning. So if you promise a lot of stuff and then but also like expecting this to be a more viable source of income for you and then it's not motivation can kind of not be there sometimes, which like sucks but just kind of how the human mind works sometimes especially if there's other areas of blogging that are more lucrative for you you're gonna pay more attention to them Mm -hmm. um so just understanding like start small and then you can always make it bigger later Mm -hmm. good advice Um, and then i think the like i guess there's two other final ones it's like content creation for other brands yeah so using your skills And your talents as a blogger, a writer, a photographer, a videographer, whatever it is, and um, basically selling that to brands to make content specifically for them. So it's not like for us, it wouldn't be Two Market Girls content. It's insert brand name here content that they can post as original content for their social media or their blog or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. It's basically like treating yourself like a media company and saying, okay, this brand is our client. And these are the assets that they've asked for from us we produce those assets and then they own those assets they pay us for the work and that's the transaction
1: yeah and there are also like there's a number of different ways you could do it like again you could write blogs for them you could write recipes for them you could do photography or videography for them you could also do social media management for them if that's something you really like doing you can do strategy development like there's a lot of different things you could do like think of yourself as almost a marketing agency and all the things a marketing agency can do. If you have a skill somewhere there, you could do that for brands as well.
0: Yeah. It feels like it's it gets very much into like freelancer territory, which essentially yeah. that's what it is. Right. It's what a yeah. freelancer would do. So,
1: yeah. A freelancer like agency type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then, and like, that's something that we also want to do because we just like creating content, but also takes a lot of work to do and a lot of reaching out and something that like, again, we're still kind of learning the ins and outs that you might also be able to get through first partnering with a brand on sponsored content. And then if they really like your content, maybe you'll be able to foster a relationship where you can make content for them too. Um, So it's again, all about relationship building (laughs) always. (laughs) Um, And then the final thing is like things that you create that you can sell. Yeah. Like your own little shop. Yeah. Whether it's for us, like we haven't sold any yet, but like the ebook that we made, we could have sold that. And like we do plan to make more ebooks that we're probably going to sell instead of give away for free. But like it could be merch. We have t-shirts that we sell. Um, It could be a course like how to blog or photography course or whatever it is um whatever you feel like you can do it's creating like something that you create essentially once and then hopefully sell for a long time
0: yeah these ones are a tricky one because they can be like a lot of work to get it made but then once it's made and it's out there and you've set up a way that it continually gets talked about and promoted then Mm -hmm. it becomes a little bit more passive eventually hopefully yeah like
1: yeah hopefully (laughs) The main thing, and, like, again, it depends on the brand that you've created and stuff. The main thing that you'd have to worry about once everything is created is just the marketing of it and ensuring that it's something that people are talking about and that you've set it up in a way that people will talk about it and share it or whatever it is. Um, But, yeah, it becomes, like, it's, like, a lot of work up front and then hopefully becomes more passive later on. And it's something that, like, you, like, have there that is supporting all the other very active work you're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. And it can be difficult to figure out like what those products should be for you and for your audience too, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Like it
0: could be stuff that we like, oh, we just really want to make this. But, you know, that might not always sell.
1: Yeah, it like and that would like really suck if you like put a lot of effort into something that you just really, really want to make. And then your audience is like, but I don't care. And like, that's fine. Like. Mm -hmm. no one's telling your audience to buy something but like you truly have to understand what they come to you for and what they'd consider purchasing from you
0: yeah and maybe that comes back to like reaching out to your closest and most invested audience first and kind of getting feedback from them too right that can be so valuable in understanding what people do come to you for so what you can offer to them
1: Mm mm-hmm Um, I know this is an area that we're kind of working on a little bit, like not necessarily actively working on right now, but something we're hoping to work towards in the future um, as a way to be like, again, a little have some income that's a little bit more passive eventually, hopefully. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's it's a lot of work and a lot of work right up front, like right from the get go. Yeah. Like I feel research is a lot of work and everything is a lot of work.
0: I feel like kind of everything we've talked about has felt like a lot of work, but I mean, <laughs> it is, you are trying to earn money, so it is going to be work, right? It's not yeah. easy. Yeah.
1: Like there's a reason that it's a full-time job being a blogger. <laughs> like it's a lot of work to do it. Um, and and you do that lots of work in the hopes that maybe it becomes more passive in the future and that your brand, you've built up a very strong brand that is able to kind of help promote these things in itself and your community helps you promote these things and all that kind of stuff. Um, So it's like, like blogging is a lot of work at the very beginning and in the middle and probably the end too. But like (laughs) it slowly gets a little easier and you understand it a little bit more and like, if you've built the right community or the right brand it should become easier
0: (laughs) yeah and it's also important to i mean don't start a blog with the intent of making money and when we talk about like the idea of trying to be um more strategic about earning money it's not because we're like oh we just want to be rich bloggers it's because the (laughs) idea of kind of being your own boss and making money from something that you truly believe in and something that is so much part of you that's kind of that's the exciting part right that's why what you're working towards
1: yeah I think another thing that's like really pushing me to be a little bit more strategic and hopefully turn this more into a business is that like I've started thinking like like, obviously, I love everything about Two Market Girls. But, like, I know we can't continue doing it for free forever. Like, we're going to eventually have a lot more things in our lives that are going to take up more time. And, like, I can't imagine us being, like, 40 years old and still doing this <laughs> for free. Um, uh, So, like, it's also part of that, like, I don't really want to see Two Market Girls go away if it doesn't have to. Yeah. So, like, that motivation to hopefully make it a bigger part of our income so that it isn't something that, like, is easy to like, kind of. Uh, easy is the wrong word, but it's not something that you ever think to like put to the side because it's not making you any money and you have to put your attention elsewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's also that thought. has been kind of like think like I've been thinking about this. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, tw- I'm 26 now. I can like do this have this fun side project and all this stuff but like what happens if like you know eventually we have families and all this stuff and there's so much more going on in our lives that like I'm like I don't think we could do this for free forever (laughs) like eventually it would have to end sometime that's scary yeah so I think that also has been pushing me a little bit to like Be a little bit more strategic and try and figure out if there's a way to make this a bigger part or the sole part of our income. Mm
0: -hmm. That would be pretty exciting. And I mean, the other challenge that comes with us is like, there's two of us that need to be supported by this one thing, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's something I think about a lot, too. (laughs) Don't leave me. (laughs) (laughs) Two Barker Girls has broken up. (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> we're each one market girl now <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's our talk about money i hope it was I don't, helpful yeah I, I hope so too i don't think we've missed any at least anything major there's probably some other areas that bloggers have found out ways to make money but i don't think we've missed anything major
0: And, I mean, we've definitely talked about enough to start with, so.
1: Oh, yeah. And that's another thing. I would also, like, don't try and do this all right away. Yeah. Again, start slow. Start with, like, ad revenue, putting ads on your videos, putting ads on your blog. Start with the things that don't take a lot of work right away.
0: Yeah. Because you're still trying to figure out. whole workflow and your audience and your content right that's the other thing when we first started out we probably didn't want a lot of brands partnering with us because you know what we were still trying to work on our content
1: (laughs) yeah i'm really glad we don't have a lot of uh like first year videos floating around that are ads because (laughs) like our first year videos were good and like i think like like they were good at least for the time and like good for what we were seeing around but like seeing them now like we've learned a lot yeah (laughs) that will happen yeah um so i'm kind of glad that we don't have like that the only example to show brands now isn't just like a post from like four years ago that is not our best quality
0: (laughs) me too me too but i mean (laughs) the fact that we have kept making this content on a regular basis i mean it would have to keep improving and getting
1: better otherwise you would think
0: yeah all right well This is going to be it for this episode. If anyone has any questions about anything we discussed, or if they want to share their experiences as a blogger, we would love to hear them. You can reach out to us at our email. We are twemarketgirls at gmail.com or if you're listening on anchor, you can send us a voice message using the app and you can check out our recipes at twomarketgirls.com or on YouTube. We are two market girls and follow us on all of the socials to see all of our food content all the time, all food, all the time to market girls where it's at.
1: Also like, please like if you have a topic that you'd like us to talk about on the podcast, send us like, or if you just have a question, And maybe we'll turn it into a podcast episode or something.
0: Yeah, the phone lines are open.
1: (laughs) They're open starting now, accepting calls. I am waiting.
0: The email lines are open too. The DM lines are open too. So just go ahead and flood those.
1: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We will be waiting for your messages.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs)